the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Did you know that there are over 300 prophecies pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament? Over and over, the Old Testament shows us that God is a God who keeps his promises, and none more important, the promise of a Messiah who would restore creation to its creator. We are calling this season Fulfilled because we will walk through just a few of these prophecies and see how Christ perfectly fulfills them during his earthly incarnation. Let's listen in as our guests share about one of these fulfillments today. desire to grow in your ability to share God's word in your areas of influence? Whether you're leading a women's study or training up toddlers, we'd love to see you at Teaching Collective this Tuesday, September 15th, 7 to 9 p.m. on Zoom. To receive the meeting password, RSVP to the Dayton Women in the Word Teaching Collective Facebook event or on our website, DaytonWomenInTheWord.com slash collective. See you there. All right. Well, welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. I am here today. We are in season nine, which is called Fulfilled. So this whole season, we are looking at prophecies that were made in the Old Testament and how God kept his word. And we see them being fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Um, Today, I'm sitting here with my friend, Kelly. Um, So Kelly, why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us a little bit about what your life looks like. Hi. So as mentioned, I'm Kelly Carraher. Um, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. My husband and I live here in the Dayton area. We have been married for about 23 years. We have five kids, which are um, truly our greatest blessings. Mm -hmm. Our oldest is Abigail, and she's a senior at Cedarville University studying Mm -hmm. elementary education. And then we have our son, Michael, who is a senior, our daughter, Caitlin, who is a sophomore. Um, They're both at Centerville High School. And then um, next is our son, Jacob, who is in seventh grade. And our youngest, Samuel, is 10 and in fourth grade. As far as my career, I worked for about 13 years as a nurse practitioner. Uh, When I was pregnant with our youngest child, it was clear that God was calling me to resign and stay at home. Um, The Lord did a lot of work in my heart uh, over those six years that I was at home full-time with my kids. And my plan really was to return to my career in healthcare when Mm -hmm. our youngest started school. However, as God often does, he had (laughs) different plans for me. And when our youngest went off to kindergarten, it became clear that God was calling me to start a second career in ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really never something on my radar. I don't have a degree in the Bible. Um, I haven't been to seminary. Um, But as we so often experience, God really doesn't usually call us to things that we're comfortable to um, or comfortable with, but rather he just calls us to things that he can demonstrate his faithfulness to prepare and equip us. So I'm currently working at Fairhaven Church. Mm -hmm. I'm the director of the women's ministry groups. Um, I really love my church. This has been truly a blessing as God Mm -hmm. has just grown me in so many ways throughout this role. And given that we're discussing prophecy today, I think prophecy teaches us about God's faithfulness over time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just been amazing to see God's faithfulness to prepare me for this role long before it was even an opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So speaking of prophecy, what prophecy um, did the Lord prompt you to talk about today? 
So I have chosen a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to discuss a few interesting facts about the book of Isaiah that I was reminded about as I was preparing today. Um, like the Bible has 66 books with two divisions, the Old Testament having 39 books and the New Testament with 27, the book of Isaiah contains 66 chapters and also has two general divisions mm -hmm. with the first 39 chapters discussing prophecy about God's judgment and some history, and then the remaining 27 chapters discuss prophecy about our hope in God. Mm -hmm. So, And the name Isaiah means Jehovah is salvation. Mm -hmm. The overarching theme of this book is that salvation is of God, meaning it's not something we can do on our own, but rather mm -hmm. fully the work of, of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a gift we can choose to humbly accept or reject. Um, and the book of Isaiah follows a general pattern of God rebuking the people for their sin, mm -hmm. specifically practicing empty religion, kind of going through the motions of rituals, sacrifices, offerings, uh, disobeying God's word, and then God calling for repentance, the people refusing, so God's mm -hmm. judgment comes. and then. But following judgment, it's important to note that a message of hope was always offered. Mm -hmm. um, so Isaiah's overarching message is just clear that although they would face judgment, a savior is coming. And we see this fulfilled in the life and death of Jesus. Um, the prophecy specifically that I wanted to talk about is Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Mm -hmm. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Mm. That's awesome. Um, so we've gotten a, a little a little mini dose of the context of this particular prophecy. So looking at um, the res restoration of sight to the blind, um, we really love making sure that we kind of start with context um, whenever we're looking at a passage before we can even see how um, it might apply to us here in 2020. We have to figure out what was going on um, in the time that it was written. So um, can you tell us a little more maybe about what was going on during the time of this prophecy? Um, we know it's from Isaiah, but maybe a little bit more background on um, the original audience and what it might have meant to hear that in its original context. Yeah. Um, so Isaiah was a prophet whose ministry spanned about 600 years mm -hmm. from about 740 to 680 BC. He was a prophet during the reign of four different kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And he was speaking to the people of Judah. Um, in order to better understand the original audience, um, I think looking at the context, as you mentioned, is really important. So approximately 200 years prior to Isaiah's ministry, um, Israel was once a united kingdom, mm -hmm. first under King Saul, then King David, um, then David's son, um, King Solomon, and then brief, briefly under Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Then it split into two mm -hmm. distinct nations. Um, Solomon's successor, Rehoboam, imposed harsh policies on his people. This went against the Council of mm -hmm. Wise Elders, um, which led Jeroboam to lead a revolt of the northern ten tribes, and the kingdom split. So the northern kingdom retained the name Israel. It was under the rule of King Jeroboam. Um, Jeroboam unfortunately moved quickly to establish this kingdom. His actions really turned the people mm -hmm. away from God. He set up idol statues for places of worship to keep people away from mm -hmm. the temple in Jerusalem, which was located in the south. 
um, and he depended on his own strength rather than God's promises. And then the remaining two tribes, um, also known as the Southern Kingdom, was named Judah, and they maintained their loyalty to King Rehoboam. So when you're considering the location of these two nations, you have three very powerful nations surrounding them. Mm -hmm. To the north uh, was Assyria, the south Egypt, and to the east was Babylon. These were all pagan nations. Um, they didn't like God or his people. They worshiped idols. They had many barbaric practices. Mm -hmm. um, so just um, about 10 years prior to the period, time period of chapter 35, Isaiah had seen the nation of Israel be annihilated mm -hmm. by Assyria. Um, the chapter just prior, 34, kind of deals with, uh, with mainly with the judgment and wrath mm -hmm. of God. The people of Israel were taken captive, taken into exile, um, and that left Judah then in a pretty precarious mm. um, but also strategic position for the larger nations. Um, if any of those powerful nations wanted to try to overcome one another, they would have to pass through Judah, mm. which comparatively was a relatively small and weaker nation. Sure. So I would imagine the people of this day would have felt frightened, um, mm. anxious that one of these nations would eventually destroy them. Um, the original hearers really needed to hear a message of encouragement. Mm -hmm. They needed the reassurance that God would protect them and provide for them. Um, unfortunately, with their unrepentant hearts um, and didn't turn back to God, and ultimately they do fall to the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too, and I know you know we'll we'll probably get get to this when we start looking forward um, in the New Testament. But you know, it's easy to see how this concept of blindness, you know, we have a physical blindness, so we literally can't, can't see things or can't see them well. Um, but also a much more important spiritual blindness. And, you know, we'll see, you know, in the future, how Christ, Christ meets both, meets both of those physical and spiritual needs, um, in, in his coming, um, to earth mm -hmm. and what that means for the, the, restoration of us on a much larger, much larger scale. So it's not, it just doesn't start, stop in our eyeballs, but we have to, you know, uncover the blindness in our hearts as well. Um, so as I mentioned, the original uh, hearers would have been desperate for a message of hope. Um, with the enemies kind of looming all around them, Isaiah had warned Judah that Babylonia would um, be God's disciplinary rod against them. And Isaiah comes on the scene in chapter 35 with a message of hope, um, starting in the first verse, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And the people at this time would have understood and recognized a reference to drought and mm -hmm. desert land to be a symbol for God's judgment. Um, in the Old Testament, the world was primarily agricultural. People depended on vegetation and the crop of the land sur mm -hmm. for survival, so drought would obviously significantly impact that. Um, but these first two verses create a picture of God's mercy and grace, and what was once desolate and without life is now blossoming, just kind of a symbolic of the Lord's blessing and the period of judgment coming to an end. And then in verses three and four, um, encourage the exhausted and strengthen the mm -hmm. feeble, say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not, Behold, your God will come. He will save you. Mm -hmm. So here we see an encouragement for Judah to 
put their trust in the Lord. And as I mentioned, the people were fearful of the nations around them, but Isaiah is telling them to fear not, God will save them. And while the immediate consequences of their sin uh, of rejection of God, it may not be removed because they do ultimately fall to the Babylonians suffering under bondage and oppression, God is promising a Messiah. And Isaiah is delivering the message of a coming kingdom where God's grace is revealed mm -hmm. in his love for all he created and his mercy for those who have sinned but repent and turn back to the Lord. A time when all creation, both people and nature itself, mm -hmm. will rejoice in the Lord. And he's assuring them there's no place for fear in God's kingdom. So that takes us back to the focus verse for um, today, Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. And here we just see I, Isaiah proclaiming a message of restoration to those that are in need. Mm -hmm. The blind, the deaf, the lame, and the mute. And other passages in Isaiah point to these physical disabilities physical disabilities as being metaphors for spiritual disabilities. Mm -hmm. These conditions will all be reversed when the Messiah returns. Not only will the physical effects of sin on our bodies be healed, but more importantly, our spiritual blindness will be removed. Mm -hmm. The Lord gives us the ability to understand and comprehend the message of salvation and gives us the ability to receive and respond to it. Um, we are all lame and mute without the Lord's hand in our life to remove it. Um, and apart from him, we would face eternal exile. Uh, Jesus is the only way uh, to salvation and reconciliation to God. Um, it's important to note that a another central theme in Isaiah is God's desire for obedience mm -hmm. from his people, um, not just merely lip service. First um, Samuel 16:7 says that the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. We look at outside appearances, but God looks at our heart. Um, and we know from Jeremiah that God says the heart is deceitful above all things mm -hmm. and desperately sick. Some translations say wickedly mm -hmm. sick. Um, and I just think in my own life, the many times that I have either justified or rationalized mm -hmm. sin. Um, and really, sin is simply put as disobedience to God. Um, so as followers of Christ, I think it's important that we practice that daily surrender and because left up to our own devices, we fall so short of the glory of the Lord and what he wants for us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so how do we see this then being fulfilled ultimately by Christ in the New Testament? So there are actually several places in the New Testament we see Jesus perform miracles of healing. Mm -hmm. um, there are accounts of these healings in each of the four Gospels. Um, today I'll just focus on some of the accounts in Luke and Matthew. Um, Jesus directly quotes this passage from Isaiah in Matthew eleven five, and then again in Luke seven twenty two, which reads, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to him. So the context around this particular verse in Luke is that John the Baptist is in prison and must have heard of these accounts of healing and wanted reassurance that Jesus was who mm -hmm. he said he was. Um, so he sent two of his disciples to ask if he was the expected Messiah or should they look for someone else. So when Jesus came the first time, all signs of the coming kingdom were manifested through his miracles. At the sound of his voice, the touch of his hand, we mm -hmm. see blind eyes open, deaf ears able to hear, the mute able to sing. And these miracles were repeatedly performed by Jesus, 
clearly testifying that he was their long-expected Messiah. And these were simply a foretasting of what is yet to come when yeah. Christ returns, uh, where not only our spiritual brokenness will be healed completely, but we will be made whole and no longer suffer the effects of living in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting when I was first learning about this particular prophecy that um, I didn't really realize the significance because, you know, if... If you like you mentioned, you you study Christ's earthly ministry, and there are so many different healings, and so it, in a way, even though it's miraculous, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, you know, heal the heal the blind, you know, made the lame to walk, all you know, heal the lepers, all that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but it it's like, well, you know, raising people from the dead, that's a pretty big deal. But the people who were raised from the dead in the New Testament, that wasn't the first time that. God ever raised somebody from the dead. Um, so I thought it was interesting that this specific mention of these physical healings, like you said, um, were pointing to a Messiah and why, you know, Christ, Christ draws attention, like to back to the prophecy, you know, trying to help people see, I, you know, I am who was promised. Mm -hmm. um, and that act of healing the blind was so significant. It wasn't just this, you know, umbrella of miracles that Christ did um, mm -hmm. through the power, through the power of God and His relationship um, to the Father. But they they were specific and they were intentional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think that um, you know? Obviously, we see Christ in this example that you you shared. He's the one specifically speaking back to the you know the prophecy in Isaiah that you shared. But what are some other um, maybe some other things that you want to speak to about the original um, speaker and the audience and what, what it meant to those hearers to have that prophecy kind of come back into focus. Yeah, yeah. So um, approximately 700 years had passed since Isaiah had spoke this prophecy. Uh, Jesus began his public ministry and was performing these miracles among both the Jews mm -hmm. and the Gentiles. Um, and when we look at the accounts of healing in Matthew, um, we see Jesus heals a Jewish woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, a synagogue's official's daughter being raised to life, sight restored to two blind men. And I just think it's amazing to see how each time Jesus healed them, he said, your faith mm -hmm. has made you well. Mm -hmm. um, then in Luke 7, we see an inspiring account of Jesus responding to the request of a faith-filled Gentile. Mm -hmm. Luke 7 gives the account of a Roman centurion's slave who was very ill and near death. Uh, the centurion sent Jewish elders to Jesus asking him to come and save the life of his servant. I think it's pretty remarkable that the Roman centurion was so concerned with his slave given mm -hmm. his high position. Um, a Roman centurion, you know, was part of the, one of the most powerful militaries. They were in charge of 80 to 100 Roman soldiers. Um, and when Jesus was near his house, he sent friends to give this Jesus a message. Um, in Luke 7, 6 says, Lord, do not trouble yourself further for I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And historically, it's just important to note that strict Jews would have considered um, Gentiles homes unclean, primarily due to idol worship um, and they wouldn't enter them. But he says he knows that Jesus' spoken word can heal his servant. So we see the Roman centurion 
just displaying such genuine humility and great faith in Christ's authority, mm -hmm. um, kind of making the comparison that his soldiers submit to his authority um, as any earthly harm or disease would have to submit to Christ's authority. Um, and then in verse 9, Jesus turns to the crowd of people following and says, I say to you, not even uh, in all of Israel have I found such great faith. Mm -hmm. And when they returned to the house, the servant was healed. So, you know, Jesus is directly quoting Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 to two of John the Baptist's disciples. Um, and Jesus tells them to go and tell John what they have yeah. seen and heard. Yeah. I think it was interesting... Um, you know, know, knowing that we were going to be talking about this today, it prompted me to, you know, kind of look look at the different healings of the blind um, in Christ's earthly ministry. And it just kind of struck me, too, the, the method by which he does this as well. So, um, of course, you brought out the important point that ultimately it is a reflection on their spiritual change, not just their physical, but that both are important. Um, but I loved how we have instances where just his words, by the power of his words, we see a miracle formed, um, performed, but then we also see how he's not afraid to get involved in the act of healing. So we see, you know, um, instances where when he heals lepers like he's touching people um there's an example in john's gospel where you know it's the it's the situation where the the boy is brought who is blind and the discussion of who sinned the you know the boyer's parents and that's you know much much bigger discussion for a different day but we see that jesus stoops down he you know gets in the dirt he places you know the dirt on this person's eyes and just how personal that act of healing was whereas you know it was very easy we see different examples in the new testament of you know, the Jews who were so fixated on following all the rules to a T who could never even like think to, you know, touch somebody that they considered unclean or unworthy. Like your comment about the Gentiles homes, like for them, right. that would be a no, no. Right. But we see, you know, from these passages in Isaiah that God's plan from the beginning, like you said, was to reach, you know, his chosen people and the whole Gentile population the whole human race and so we see that in jesus's ministry he doesn't just fit the mold of what was expected in you know a good jewish culture he goes beyond that to do the work of healing the heart and healing mm -hmm. the eyes and the physical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um looking kind of looking at this you know we've talked a lot already just about how meaningful this passage is but what what other um, things do you see that bring meaning to this fulfillment of this prophecy? Yeah, so I think, you know, just like you had mentioned, the message of the hope and salvation is for all people, mm -hmm. I think is so important. And, um, you know, he's come to the world to show us how to love. The fact that, you know, Jesus, the King of all kings, he really initiated his ministry with the marginalized in society, the overlooked. And I think mm -hmm. that's just something we can really all learn from today. Unfortunately, much like first century Rome had those that were ostracized or marginalized, you know, that's still true today mm -hmm. in our society. And um, 
we have a lot of social injustices, um, you know, some racial inequality and discrimination of minority groups, mm-hmm. um, perpetual cycles of poverty. And so it just makes me think, you know, how can we show the same love that Christ showed to those around mm-hmm. us? And where do we need to humble ourselves mm-hmm. to serve others? Um, one of the scriptures that I feel like really speaks to this specifically is found in John Mm -hmm. 13, 34 and 35. And so, you know, shortly before Jesus was on the cross, um, he told his disciples, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you Mm -hmm. have love for one another. I think just the way that we reach out and love love people and follow his example is um, just something that's always really spoken to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what do you feel, because we know scripture, all scripture is um, a book about God. You know, the Bible is a book about God. So what do you see um, about God's character in the fulfillment of this prophecy? So I think the fulfillment of this prophecy um, as well as many others, just shows God's heart for his people. Uh, It demonstrates his character. Mm -hmm. Um, He is faithful. He is just. He's full of mercy and grace, um, that he is love, uh, and that he is our healer and full of compassion for the broken. Um, And as we, you know, the repeated theme, it's not only physical brokenness, but also the spiritual brokenness. Um, I think we can see that he's slow to anger. Um, He is you know, quick to listen to us, and he hears our cries for help. The hundreds of prophecies we read about in Scripture just gives us confidence that what he promises will come Mm -hmm. to pass. Um, I'm sure there may be many listeners who are struggling with significant challenges in their life, whether it's um, problems within marriage or singleness, the death of a loved one. Um, Many may be facing job loss, just given the current... um, situation and uh, rejection, fear, anxiety, but and many may be just crying out to the Lord. And I think as we cry out for help, we can just take comfort in knowing that his, what he promises will come to pass. And I think one um, promise we could all claim as believers is found in Romans 8, 28. Um, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those called according to mm-hmm. his purpose. So we, even though we can't always see good in our present circumstances by faith, we can know that the Lord is working for mm-hmm. our good. Um, and then in verse 38, um, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life or angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So these promises just give us the strength and assurance we need to get through the various hardships Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah, Yeah, I love um, to, I think in in Paul's writings, he talks a lot or talks about, you know, how before Christ, we, we see through things dimly and then through his work, you know, in our hearts, in the inward man, that's when we can see things clearly. And so we see kind of that, that movement from just, you know, the physical regaining of sight to the spiritual unblinding that needs to happen. And just 
what a work of sanctification that always is. You know, you have the, the ultimate unblinding that happens when we are granted salvation and come to faith in him, but how, you know, daily, hopefully, um, the spirits, part of the spirits work on our behalf is to continue to open our eyes to see, um, where we need continued, um, growth and continued forgiveness there. Cause it's, you know, there's, there's so many, so many things to learn. And I think, um, you know, again, this, this season that we're, we're in has helped kind of point that out that, you know, we, we always have something, you know, our, our vision on, on this side of brokenness and the side of eternity is always going to be slightly off. Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks, thanks be to God that we, you know, have his spirit who can guide us along, you know, along this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wind down, are there any last um, encouragements that you might want to share with our listeners before we head out today? Yeah, I think just, you know, with prophecy, we see so many years between, mm-hmm. you know, something that was spoken and then it being fulfilled. And so just recognizing that no matter what season you're in, if you're struggling, that just knowing God's timing is not always our timing mm-hmm. and his ways are higher than our ways, but yeah. we see his character throughout mm-hmm. the whole Bible. Um, and we know that our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he is worthy of our praise and that we can trust him. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a good word to end on. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for being with us today. Thank you for having me.